Hey there, this is episode 36 of the Balance 5 podcast. Gather these documents for your tax prep. Welcome to the Balance 5 podcast, where we talk about balancing intentional debt payoff, saving money, and actually living your life. I'm your host, Raylia, small business owner, wife, girl mom, nonprofit co-founder, and money nerd. This is an audio version of the Balanced 5 blog because I know how hard it is to find time to sit down and read literally anything. Instead, you can get quick bits of money knowledge on the go. I want to help you learn to control your money instead of letting your money control you. Let's get started. Welcome to tax season. Hopefully you're planning ahead to make sure your taxes will be filed in a timely manner. Even better, you've already filed them. I'm a little late to getting this episode out because my life has been crazy lately. I ended up taking an unexpected break from the podcast. Um, I had planned to take a break from blogging to work on Intentionally Debt Free, the amazing Fix Your Finances course that I'm working on. But I, my daughter got sick. I got sick. We've all got laryngitis. Things were just crazy and I literally could not record a podcast episode for over a month. But I'm back and I apologize that it is almost tax time. But you still have a couple weeks left. So let's go over what you need to get your taxes in order this year. Whether you're preparing your own return or paying a professional, some documents are just necessary for taxes and you need to make sure that you have all of them gathered up. Please, please, please do not wait until April 14th and expect your accountant to be able to file your return on time. An extension to October 15th is always an option but that will delay any refund that you're due and you do still need to pay any taxes that you owe in April. I actually just talked to a CPA who's you know local to me, so it might not be the same everywhere, but I talked to her at the beginning of March, and she was expecting to have to file an extension for every client that she took on after that date. So even though you know it's a month and a half out from the tax filing deadline, she was so overwhelmed with work that she was going to have to file extensions because she just couldn't get everything done before April 15th. All that to say, get on it now. The faster you start this process and, you know, either get in touch with a CPA or start entering your information into whatever software you're going to use yourself, the faster you get it over with and the easier it's going to be. My other business is a virtual bookkeeping business and I avoid doing tax preparation as much as possible. I honestly don't like preparing taxes or want to keep up with the regulations. Like I graduated from college uh, over 10 years ago now and I don't have the time or the motivation to keep up on the changes in tax regs. So I only prepare simple returns, mostly for family and friends, but I've still put together a list for you of all the documents you might need for simple taxes. 
If yours are more complex, definitely consult a CPA or an EA, which is an enrolled agent. They are specially qualified to prepare taxes, and that qualification comes from the IRS, so you know they're legit. First up is personal information. Social security numbers, obviously. <laughs> Make sure that you have social security numbers for yourself, your spouse, and any dependents, as well as everyone's date of birth and full legal name. If you have a minor child from a divorce, remember that only one person can claim that child. And hopefully, your divorce decree outlined who can claim the children. Uh, this could be a sticky situation uh, if your ex is, let's say, not willing to follow the agreement that you two came up with. Uh, whoever files their taxes first, honestly, is probably more likely to be able to get away with claiming the kid. So that's something to think about. Hopefully that's not something you're going to have to worry about though. Bank routing and account numbers. If you want to receive a potential refund through direct deposit, which I definitely recommend, you'll need to provide your banking information. You can still receive a paper check. Of course, it will just take longer to get that money back. If you owe additional taxes, you can pay that amount electronically or through a check. The IRS will also allow you to set up a payment plan if you owe a large amount. And I don't think there's actually a limit that the IRS places, you know, that makes something a large amount. It's more like what you can afford. The important thing is to make a payment or establish a payment plan before the tax filing deadline, which is usually April 15th. Uh, in 2022, it's actually April 18th because of the weekend. And, and you want to do that before the deadline because the IRS charges crazy interest rates and late fees on overdue taxes. Well, overdue tax payments. Next up, you'll need last year's tax return. Sometimes information from last year's return will carry over to the current year. It will also provide personal information for anyone who is listed on the return, which would be helpful this year. I will admit that I don't have my kids' social security numbers memorized, so I just pulled them from last year's tax return. Um, another thing that often pops up is your state or federal refund from last year could be taxable on this year's return for the other taxing entity. So your state refund could be taxable through the federal government. Um, you probably will have to enter some information about that. So it's super helpful to have last year's returns so you can refer back to those. Uh, in the show notes, you'll see some helpful links such as who is a dependent. And that will help you figure out how to get started at least. Basically, a dependent is someone you support financially, usually a child. Of course, there are lots of rules about this, but your child who is younger than 19, who you support, who lives with you more than half the year, and who cannot be claimed as a dependent by someone else, will be the most common dependent. A full-time student aged 19 to 23 is still a dependent too, which can make filing taxes a pain for independent college students. Once I graduated from high school, my parents didn't pay my tuition, my room and board. Uh, they helped out with like my cell phone and my car insurance, but I supported myself 
for the most part. And until I got married at 22, I still couldn't claim myself as a dependent because I was a full-time college student and younger than 23. So that's something to keep in mind if you or your child is in that age bracket and a college student. You can claim other relatives too, but they must live with you and make less than $4,300 per year. And that will probably change year to year, so make sure you look up current regulations. And they have to depend on you for financial support. So this could apply to elderly parents or grandparents or an adult child with a disability. In a more complex situation, you should definitely consult a tax professional to avoid an audit and or fines for choosing to, you know, to claim incorrect dependents. What is the right tax filing status? Single, married filing jointly, married filing separately, qualified widower, and head of household are your options. Um, Obviously, your, you know, status, uh, I guess your relationship status, and we'll determine which you choose. But remember that if you're married, filing jointly gives you access to more advantageous credits when it comes to filing your taxes. Uh, but there are some situations where filing separately is the better choice. That's definitely the territory of a tax professional to help you figure out which one's better for you. Head of household just indicates that you are a single person, so unmarried, with dependents. Uh, you get more tax benefits for having those dependents on there. This episode is brought to you by Intentionally Debt Free, the six-week course that will teach you exactly how to pay off your debt. It's not magic, but it's pretty close. Dealing with debt can be frustrating. Whether you're a parent, or trying to be a responsible adult, or even brand new to adulting, it's never easy to feel like your money is disappearing and you have nothing to show for it. And do you ever wonder if it really has to be this hard? Me too. In fact, I struggled with debt for years after having my older daughter. Now I'm proof that the process behind intentionally debt-free actually works. Enrollment is limited, but I'm opening the doors again soon. You can change your financial future. You can pay off debt. The first step is to sign up at balancedfi.com waitlist so you get notified when the doors to Intentionally Debt Free do open again. Change your money, change your life. Now let's talk about the income documents you need for your taxes. If you're an employee, a W-2 should be your first stop. Your employer should have issued a W-2 by January 31st, and the W-2 is probably the most important document needed for taxes for people who work as employees. It will list your income, tax advantage retirement contributions, federal and state taxes withheld, and tips reported if that's applicable to your job. Uh, a 1099-G reports unemployment income. So you, you need to pay attention to whether the federal or state income taxes were withheld from your unemployment income. And those unemployment payments are usually taxable. So back in 2020, there were different 
rules for taxes regarding unemployment income. Some of it was not taxable. Um, I honestly don't know if they reversed that or not. So it's something to look into and make sure that your unemployment income is actually taxable. You should receive a 1099 from investment accounts if you have them. Depending on the types of investments you have, you may receive a 1099-INT for interest income, 1099-DIV for dividend income and capital gains distributions, so those are investments, 1099-R for receipts from retirement accounts, if you are retired, 1099-B for capital gains and losses from your investments, and a 1099-OID or 1099-Q. They're less common, but they report other types of income. So basically, if you have any tax document that says 1099 on it, save it. Social Security income. Social Security benefits that you receive are reported on a form to SSA-1099. So you'd also need that. Um, if you didn't get any Social Security benefits paid out to you, don't worry about it. Documents related to deductions and credits. If you are a homeowner, you should get a 1098 showing interest paid on your mortgage, real estate tax information. Property taxes may be included in the escrow account of your mortgage, so that could be reported by your mortgage holder on that 1098. If the mortgage company doesn't provide real estate tax amounts, your county treasurer should have also mailed a tax statement during the year, so you can find that information. And make sure to keep receipts for any energy-efficient home improvements. Uh, a couple years ago, we replaced our furnace, and there was a tax deduction for that. Um, the federal one was pretty small. I want to say like 500, but there were quite a few different state tax deductions available. So anything that improves the efficiency of your home, you should definitely keep receipts for and look for deductions. Present and past students, you should get a 1098E for student loan interest paid. Obviously, if you have been paying on your student loans, you haven't paid interest in 2021, but that's going to start up again. So in the future, you will need that document. If you paid less than 600 in in interest for the whole year, you won't get an official tax document, but your lender should provide your interest paid you know, a statement somehow. I think I've gotten a like basically just an emailed letter from Fed loans before when I paid less than 600. Uh, you could also get a 1098T for tuition paid. The deduction for tuition paid is available to the student only if they cannot be claimed as a dependent by someone else. So this means that the parents often get a deduction on their, their taxes for their child's tuition, regardless of who actually paid the tuition. So if the kid pays their tuition or um, it's paid through a scholarship, the parents get that deduction, um, even though they didn't actually contribute financially, if they can claim the child as a dependent. So they're 19 to 23 and a full-time college student. Charitable contributions. The rules for charitable contributions have changed over the past few years. 
Um, in 2020, you could take a deduction of up to 300 for charitable contributions, and any amount over that is subject to itemized deductions limitations. So I just did my taxes today, so I this is a, like top of mind. Um, I'm honestly not sure if it's because my husband and I were filing together, but we were eligible for up to 600 for a charitable contribution deduction. That could just be that 300 doubled because we're married, but it's definitely something to look into and something to report if you made charitable contributions. And of course, I always encourage you to continue to make charitable contributions, even if it's not really a tax advantage. It's just the right thing to do. Other documents needed for taxes. Receipts for childcare. Um, you can get a credit for that. Um, you will need the provider's EIN, so it's an employer ID number. It's basically the equivalent of a social security number for a business if you paid a business or the provider's social security number if you're paying an individual. Uh, receipts related to medical and dental expenses, including medical travel mileage records. So it's important to remember that medical expenses have to be over 7.5% of your adjusted gross income, which is a number you can pull off of your tax return once you start preparing it. And they cannot have been reimbursed by insurance previously. So that means you have to spend a lot on medical bills to be able to deduct anything from your taxes. But if you have a medically complex kiddo, or just anybody in your family, those expenses do add up pretty quickly. So I would say for the average family, if you're just going to the doctor for like well child checkups and, you know, uh, a cold or, you know, any ear infection, a couple appointments a year, I honestly wouldn't waste the time tracking all of my medical and dental expenses. But if you have a somebody in your family who requires more medical care than that, definitely keep track of your expenses and your medical travel mileage. You also need the amount of last year's federal and state refunds if you got refunds. And that's because that refund could be taxed by the other entity in the current year, as we talked about earlier. Teachers can deduct $250 worth of classroom supply expenses so make sure you keep those receipts and you need records of contributions to tax advantage investment accounts so that it could be a retirement account that's separate from your employer or it could just be an investment account. You should get some kind of documentation for it though or be able to download that information from like the online portal where you make those investments. Business-related documents needed for taxes. So please note that this business-related tax information doesn't apply to employees. This is for people who are self-employed or own a small business of some sort. First up, you need your business information. Uh, that would include your tax ID. It's the EIN or employer identification number. And you also need to know the business entity type. So the taxes for an LLC are part of the owner's personal return, while a corporation requires that a separate tax return is filed. So you 
the entity type is super important. Um, LLC taxes are pretty easy to file because it's just another form. It's a Schedule C that is filed with your personal taxes. Uh, if you if you have a corporation, that's a whole other form, and it's a lot more involved. Um, you might need a 1099 Miss or a 1099 NEC. Anyone who paid you over $600 in a non-employee capacity should issue you a 1099 form unless your business is a corporation. So if you're an LLC, you should get 1099s. The regulations changed a bit in 2020, so there are actually two different 1099 forms to cover this type of income now. There used to just be one. It was a 1099 Miss. Uh, the 1099 NEC is for when you're working um, as obviously a non-employee, but it's like you are providing a service and then the 1099 miss is for more specific things like uh, you are renting out a building and somebody's paying you rent or you're working as a lawyer. So those are honestly going to be less common these days. And 1099s only show the amount that you received from your client because no taxes are withheld from payments to contractors. So you still owe taxes on that full amount. A Schedule K-1. So a Schedule K-1 is similar to a 1099, but it's issued by the business to its partners. So this would be if you were incorporated or had formed a partnership. The, the company that you created is going to issue a 10 or sorry it's going to issue a you a k1 so it lists each partner's portion of the net income or net loss of the business so say your business made you know ten thousand dollars profit and you have two partners each owning 50 percent you'll each be taxed um on five or five thousand dollars uh and it'll flow through to your own personal taxes if it's an l LLC partnership. Um, business financials. Use the profit and loss statement from your business. You can, if you have accounting software, you can pull a profit and loss statement from that software and that will help you determine the deductible business expenses that you need to report. Uh, make sure that you have receipts to back up the expenses you're deducting just in case you get audited. Uh, and remember to keep your receipts for seven years. That's as long as the IRS has to audit your taxes. I'm kind of a hoarder, though, and I still have my taxes from uh, 2006. So I figured why not hold on to them. Uh, okay, mileage report. If you use your personal vehicle for business purposes, you can deduct a certain amount per mile. And the IRS changes the mileage rate each year. You could also deduct actual expenses, which would be like, you know, your oil change and the amount you spend on gas. But then you have to track all of that and figure out how much is business versus personal. So it's a lot easier to just use the mileage rate that the IRS provides. You do need to track your business miles, though. Form 8829 for home office use. So if you use part of your home as an office, you may be able to deduct, to deduct a portion of some house-related expenses on your business taxes. So this could be a portion of your mortgage or your rent. 
um, a portion of your utilities, your internet, electricity, um, certain improvements to the home. And it's a percentage based on how much of your house is used for your business versus the total square footage of your house. Okay, taxes paid. If you were required to make quarterly income tax payments for your business, you do need to report those on your return because it will reduce how much you owe, well, still owe, when you finish up your return. So let's say you owe 10000 for the year, but you've already paid 7000 quarterly. You only have to pay that last 3000 when you file your taxes. You also need information about assets and equipment. So you should definitely create a list of your business assets and equipment. I would assume that would be accounted for in your accounting software, like QuickBooks, but you could just have a separate spreadsheet too. Update it every year to help determine the depreciation that you can claim. Make sure to include the date of purchase, purchase cost, and type of asset. And these are for bigger assets, like I would say over $5,000, so your laptop doesn't count. Um, it's just, it's too much work to figure out depreciation on, you know, an $800 laptop. Another tip, look at your net worth. A lot of the information required for tax preparation for personal and for business is included or hinted at on your net worth calculations. So your net worth is basically what you own, your assets, minus what you owe, your liabilities. And hopefully your assets are worth more than your liabilities and you have a positive net worth. That's the goal. Your net worth shows investment accounts that could generate income, dividends, or capital gains or losses. It also lists liabilities that may have deductible interest expense like your mortgage or student loans and your retirement contributions. So your retirement account, which is part of your net worth, uh, that could affect your taxes as well. Keep receipts and records related to your tax returns for at least seven years in case of an audit. And if you have hesitation about your ability to properly prepare your taxes, I strongly urge you to consult a professional. Don't wing it if your tax situation is complex at all. The tax code is a tricky, changeable document, and it's hard for regular people to keep up with it. To recap, the basic documents you need for preparing your tax return may include last year's tax return, W-2s from employers, a 1099-G for unemployment payments, 1099s from investments, 1099-NECs for contractor income, SSA 1099 for social security payments, mortgage interest and property tax receipts, student loan interest and tuition paid, receipts for child care, medical, state and federal refunds, and other deduction-related documentation, and business income and expense information. And remember that your state taxes could have additional uh, deductions, credits, or subtractions from income that the federal taxes don't. So there might be things that you could be taxed on, like types of income that you're taxed on federally that you're not taxed on state-wise. So it's important to, 
either look for those things or talk to a professional who is knowledgeable in your state. What should you do next? If you haven't thought about tax prep yet, now is definitely the time. Whether you do your taxes yourself or have a professional do them, having the correct documents is essential and it will speed up the process if you already have them ready. Use this list to get started, but make sure to pay attention to your own unique tax situation and what it requires. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you enjoy the Balance Fi podcast, I'd be so grateful if you left us a review on iTunes or told a friend. As always, you can head to balancedfi.com to connect with me and stay in touch. I'm on Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, and Twitter at balancedfi. Until next time, stay intentional and look for balance.